He's my brother, Mike. He's my brother, Matt. And we are the Brothers of Discussion, hosting Red Wings Rant, where tirades and impassioned pleas about your Detroit Red Wings finally have a hope. In a season mired in tragedy and despair, we are here to be your audible Earl Grey, to bring joy, placidity, and perspective to one of the roughest eras in Red Wing history. Ah! We honor the past, find the positives in the present, I swear they're there, and paint the picture of what's to come in the winged wheels future. Paul Woods here on the radio broadcast of your Detroit Red Wings, and I'm going to play games like, who's that? Who's that come on. Where Matt has to try and guess quotes pulled right out of context for Jeff Blashell, and we got to figure out who that Red Wing is. <laughs> Every episode, we put ourselves in the legendary shoes of Steve Iserman and play Be the GM, finding ways to ice a competitive team while accumulating assets for the franchise's future. We also shoot the breeze. Some of the great local and national voices in Red Wings hockey, including Ken Kell and Keith Gave. Greg Wyshynski and Ryan Lambert. Check us out every Monday and Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. And check us out live every Wednesday and Sunday for Red Wings reactions and live conversations with you on our YouTube channel, The Brothers of Discussion. It's not quite time for the madness that is college basketball in March, but that doesn't mean the fun has to wait. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is giving all new players the chance to cash $100. New customers can bet $1 on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. And if your team makes it rain, you cash $100. You can't lose with this type of bet, baby. That's right. All it takes is for one three-pointer being hit by your chosen team to turn $1 into $100. Sounds like a no-brainer, am I right? I mean, come on, guys. I mean, this is, this is, you'd have to be stupid not to take this type of deal. This slam dunk of an offer won't be around forever, so head to the App Store now, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, and get in on all of the action. If basketball isn't for you, DraftKings Sportsbook has daily odds on hockey, soccer, and so, so much more. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion freaking dollars to its customers since 2012, so they know a thing or two about big damn paydays. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use our promo code THPN to get your shot to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. Again, the promo code is THPN. That's promo code THPN for new customers to get a shot at $100 to one odds on any basketball team to hit one three-point shot. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Michigan, or Virginia only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. Winnings paid out in four $25 free bets. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Or in Virginia, call 888-532-3500. Welcome Red to New York. Ball.
Attention fans, this is the Devil's State of Mind Podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Now here's your host, Neil Villapiano! What is going on, Devils fans? It is once again your host, Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another edition of the Devils State of Mind podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place to get the most up-to-date news and interesting topics going on about your New Jersey Devils. I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you guys are having a great day, great week, whatever the case may be. Uh, Thank you guys, as always, for taking some time to listen to this episode. Now, you know, usually you guys hear me do a a loud woo before I start. Um, Part of the reason that I didn't do it was, number one, uh, it's been a long day. I'm recording this kind of late on Sunday, so it's it's been a long day. As if you guys follow me on Twitter at Devil State, you guys know that I had to do a hockey game. I had to broadcast the hockey game for my local hockey team, the Jersey Shore Whalers. Um, so I was unable to watch most of the Devils game against the Capitals, but I did watch enough to have an opinion on what I saw today. Uh, most of this episode is not going to be pleasant just because of the fact that the Devils have not really played that well over the last couple of games. But I wanted to start with something that's very, very personal and, and very serious. And if you guys see my pinned tweet on Twitter, uh, you kind of know where I'm going with this. Uh, but this is for people who don't really know what's going on. And it hasn't really been brought up that much in the public. But we have a bunch to talk about here today. So without further ado, let's drop the puck. So we'll start with the news, and it's probably the biggest news that I wanted to share on this episode. So on Friday afternoon, the New York Islanders announced that former New Jersey and current Islander goaltender Corey Schneider was going to be put on non-roster injury reserve for family reasons. So I remember uh, retweeting a tweet that somebody put out about that, and I just said that I hope he's okay. Uh, My initial reaction was that somebody in his family, or maybe even he, had, you know, covid Um, which is obviously, you know, it's never good when you're put on there for family reasons. Uh, But I was just hoping that he was okay. And throughout the day, I didn't hear anything. I didn't see anything. And I remember I was, and I'll share a little bit of a personal thing with you. I I meditate every day. I use the Calm app uh, every day. It's a great app. If you don't, if you are getting into meditation, I would highly recommend it. Please go, please go do it. Um, it, It's tremendous. It helps with my mental health. 100%. But I remember finished just finishing up my meditation. And I went on Twitter. And I found out from a couple different people that the reason and this was around 10pm on Friday night. So this was kind of late that I found this out. But I found out from a couple people that apparently Corey Schneider's 14 year old nephew who goes by the name of Theodore Henstrom had died in a house fire last week which left his family with nothing. And that was just a horrific thing to hear um, because not only is obviously, of course, not a former devil and he's arguably one of my favorite devils of all time. And I have um, a, a great admiration for him and I'm always going to be a big fan and supporter of course, Schneider. but just from a human standpoint, I mean, you know, look, this, this world in particular has dealt with, 
with so much over the past year. I mean, we're approaching one year since the pandemic began and a lot of people have lost their lives because of this pandemic. And a lot of us have dealt with so many different difficulties. To lose a, a nephew, a friend, a son, to uh, something like that, like a house fire at just 14 years of age, it's just a, you know, words cannot really put put into it, cannot do it justice. It can't really describe how painful that type of thing really, really is. And, you know, I found out about it. And then I also found out that Corey Schneider had put a GoFundMe page on GoFundMe uh, called Theodore's Light. And they're asking for donations. Both Corey and the family are asking for donations because, like I said, their family doesn't have anything right now. Uh, they lost their son and their fam their house was destroyed and they basically have nothing. I mean, that's and you think about it. A lot of you guys that are listening to this podcast, you have a lot more going for you that probably, you know, hopefully all of you. But, you know, if you don't, I I'm very, very sorry. And I hope that there's some way that I could help if there's any help that I can give. Um, but, you know, you have to it puts things in perspective because we're we're talking about, you know, this is a a podcast to talk about hockey and and everything like that but these type of things kind of bring it all back and really realize you know hey at the end of the day we're all human beings here and we're all you know we're all going through di different things that are not always brought into light and i saw this and it was really 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 heartbreaking to me because like i mentioned before Corey Schneider is one of my all-time favorite players, and he's one of my all-time favorite people. Um, I absolutely loved his entire time he was with the New Jersey Devils, about six years to be exact. Um, I finally got his jersey. Uh, shout out to my friend Sean Harrington of um, Ice NJD for uh, doing a jersey, swapping me and giving me that. I greatly appreciate it. Um, you know, Corey Schneider will always have a, a big place in my heart from a hockey standpoint, and also a big place in my heart as a human. And you know, when, when I heard this, I, I said to myself, you know, what can I do to help? And the first thing that I decided to do is I donated some money to help out with that, you know, with, with the GoFundMe page and just trying to help out those people. And the other thing that I did is I decided to share the GoFundMe page and the story um, on Twitter at Devil State. And, you know, I asked a couple of my closest friends to also, you know, retweet it, um, not thinking that it would um, be as popular as it did. And I want to say straight up uh, before I continue with this, that I had no intentions of trying to get any attention for myself. I wasn't trying to do this to gain any clout or anything like that. I did this primarily because I wanted to help out Corey Schneider and his, his family. I wanted to help them out because this is just a, a horrific thing. But around a little bit before 1030, I put out um, a tweet that you guys can see as my pin tweet that says, tragic news today as Isles and former New Jersey Devils goalie Corey Schneider lost his 14-year-old nephew in a house fire last week, leaving his family with nothing. Corey started a GoFundMe page. I left a link to the GoFundMe page. And I said, please share and help out in any way, please. We are with you, Corey. And at the time of this recording, there is about, I want to say, actually, I'll get the exact, there's 350 retweets, 519 likes, and 31 comments. And most of them have been good. Some of them, not so much. Um, I also just tagged a crap load of people, uh, people within the NHL, people within the Devils organization, people within the Islanders organization, hell, even people within the Vancouver Canucks organization. 
Um, and I did this because, again, I wanted to continue to get the message out as much as possible. And I wanted people to know that this was going on and if they could help out in any way. And look, here's the biggest thing I want to say right now, because I know a lot of people on Twitter had things to say about this and whether or not it was the right thing to do for Corey to do, considering the fact that he's made a huge amount of money in his career. A lot of people were very critical of the fact that he was asking regular people who don't make as much money as he does to give donations. Um, I just want to say this. You don't have to donate. You don't have to do anything. You could just see it and then move on. Um, you don't have to make any sort of comment about it. And you don't have to call other people out there suckers and, 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 and lowlifes for wanting to give money to somebody and to somebody's family who's really struggling. And I get it. I know that Corey could probably write a check that could just give them all the money that they need, but maybe that's actually just not that possible. They're asking for $150,000. That's the goal that they're asking. And at the time of this recording, they are actually pretty close to that goal. It's at $112,147. So that's that's a tremendous thing. That's a tremendous thing that a lot of people are, are, are donating money because when I put out that tweet, they were only at something like maybe 40,000, something along those lines. They, they weren't, it, 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 it wasn't until the tweet went out and other people retweeted it and other people said stuff that it really started to blow up. And for everybody that retweeted it and also made donations and just kept spreading the message, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you very, very much for doing that because. It means a lot to me that you get that there's a lot of people out there that care this much about the human side and they wanted to do anything they could to help. And again, you don't have to donate. You don't have to. I did, uh, you know, because I, I wanted to. You don't have to. You are not forced to. They're asking for donations. They're asking for donations. I want to read to you what it says on the GoFundMe page in the description. On the night of February 24th, 2021, a house fire, a house fire tragically took the life of Theodore Hedstrom, 14, and destroyed the home of the Connors Hedstrom family and all of their belongings. We are asking anyone who would like, who would like to contribute something financially to the family to help the numerous costs of medical bills and recreating a life and a sense of normalcy for the family, as well as memorializing Theodore. Theodore has a shining light in the lives of everyone. Who knew, who knew him, and he will be greatly missed. Nothing will be able to fill the incredible void left by his departure, but anything that can be given to help with all the other items would be greatly appreciated. Thank you, and God bless. And like I said, I decided to donate, and I wanted to share. And, you know, some people will tell me that it wasn't, you know, I, I shouldn't have done that. Some people might be critical of it. But at the end of the day, I stick by what I did, and I'm not ashamed of it. And I was no way trying to gain any sort of notoriety for it or any sort of exposure. All I wanted to do was just help out Schneider and also this family, the Connors Hedstrom family. I wanted to help them out because, you know, at the end of the day, we're all human and we're all going through difficult things. And if I had unlimited money, I would be donating money to as many charities, as many people as possible, no matter what situation they are, no matter who they are. Because at the end of the day, it's about doing the right thing. It's about going out there and being the best person you can be for others and paying it forward and being an incredibly nice person and doing wonderful things. We, we spend so much time, you know, work, you know, 
giving each other crap for different little things. And we don't spend enough time just being nice to one another and doing the right thing and helping each other out. We're all in this same journey together to get through and understand life and trying to live as good of a life as we possibly can in whatever situation we, we are in. And look, I'm not stupid. I also get that there are millions of people across this entire world that are in much worse shape than somebody like Corey Schneider or even this family. But again, you know, not just one person can move heaven and earth to do, to make, you know, real change and to really help people. It takes a group effort. It takes a lot of people to make the decision to do it. And you know what? There are a lot of people who are willing to spend a hundred plus dollars to go see a hockey game right now in a COVID situation where it's not that safe. And if they're willing to do that, I would like to think that they would also be willing to give even, even $5. Like, Literally, if you just donated a dollar, it goes, it, it, it will go a long way. So look, I am not telling you, nor is anybody involved in this donation, in this whole thing, telling you to go donate. They are asking if you can and if you want to, if you want to go ahead, if you don't, then don't. If you don't agree with what they're doing, then keep it to yourself. This isn't the time to talk about how much money this player's made and everything like that. You know, I kind of wonder that if this was a better well-known player in the league, like if Sidney Crosby went flat broke, right? And he was asking for donations. You don't think thousands of people would want to help him? Look at Evander Kane. Evander Kane of the San Jose Sharks. Now, obviously it's for a different reason, but he went pretty much flat broke. I feel that there would be people out there with, that would actually want to help him. But the Crosby, you know, uh, theory is a little, not theory. The Crosby, you know, analysis is probably a little bit better because he's a little bit more well-known. But like, if it was somebody like that, you don't think that there would be thousands of millions of people out there that would want to help him? I mean, let, let's call it like it is. I mean, that's, that's really what, you know, the situation is. And the reason that people are donating it's not because that they're trying to get some sort of notoriety or anything like that. They are trying to help out somebody who lost a child, who lost a nephew, who lost a son, who lost a friend, you know, it's it, who lost a classmate. You know, it, it, that's, this is what it's all about here, ladies and gentlemen. So that's why I made the decision to donate and why I made the decision to share this GoFundMe page and share this story because this is important to me. And I hope that you understand that at the end of the day, it's about just a human being wanting to help out another human being, not a fan trying to help out a player. It's a human being trying to help out a human being. That's what it is at the end of the day. And I hope that you guys can understand that and appreciate that. And if you don't agree with it, even after that, that's fine. All I'm asking is that you just right now, keep your opinion to yourself. You know, if you want to have a discussion about it, have it in, you know, a, a direct message. Don't put it out and constantly, you know, badmouth people, especially in a difficult time of need. Just, just do the right thing, ladies and gentlemen. That's all I'm asking for. And doing the right thing is different for everybody. It's not the same thing for everybody, okay? And again, one more time, I'm not asking you, nor is anyone else asking you to donate. If you don't want to donate, don't donate. If you just retweet it or if you send it to somebody and you, you just share it, that's that's going to go a long way as well. And it's, it's already proven that with the amount of people that have interacted with this tweet and with this story. And again, 
I really greatly appreciate. And I know that even though I haven't spoken to Corey Schneider or his family or anybody involved, I'm sure as confident as possible that they are very grateful for the fact that all of us have done everything we could to help them out in this difficult time. And I do hope that they get to that target goal because that would be wonderful. It really, really would. Also, I wanted to share that a good friend of mine at everything.ios on Instagram is selling Corey Schneider sh support shirts on his page on bonfire.com. And if you buy a shirt, all the profits from those shirt purchases will go to the GoFundMe page. So if you go to at everything.isles on Instagram, click on his bio, it will take you right to the bonfire page and the page where it has the shirt and you can buy it. I believe it's like 20, 25 bucks. It was one of the two. I couldn't remember off the top of my head, but please go, please go. If you're interested in just buying one, that's another way that you can donate because like I was talking to him, he's going to be putting all the profits into the, the GoFundMe page. And that's, and that's really a great thing. You know, it's, it's like, it's like what, what NHL teams do, you know, you, you do something like that and, you know, it goes to a good cause. And this is a very good cause. So to kind of wrap up this whole thing here, I'm just going to finish off by saying this. And obviously, I know probably Corey's not going to hear this, but I will say it anyway. Um, Corey, number one, I am so very, very sorry for your loss. Um, I, I can't imagine how difficult it must be to lose someone I'm sure you were incredibly close with. Um, you know, my thoughts and prayers are with you. My thoughts and prayers are with the Connors Hedstrom family. Um, you know, I'm so sorry for your loss, uh, losing a son, um, all of his friends. I'm so sorry that you lost a friend and all the people that loved him very much. And I, I don't try to talk about, you know, religion or anything like that. Um, I mean, I, I'm Catholic and I'll say this. And, you know, if you don't agree, that's fine. That's not what this is about. But I would say that, um, you know, you could say now that, that, Theodore is, is, you know, up in heaven or wherever he is and he's happy and he's healthy and everything's okay. And, you know, it's going to take a long time, but you'll get through it and you'll be able to push forward. And, and I hope that all these donations and sharing your guys' story and everything like that uh, helps out in any way, shape or form. And if by some chance you wanted to, you know, ask for more help, I would personally be more than happy to help in any way that I can. Um, and, you know, look, as I've said before, you know, I've said it about a lot of players that have come through the devil's organization and made an impact. You know, once you're a devil, you're always a devil. And, you know, that's, that's what I would say to Corey, Corey, the devil's organization and the fan base still cares about you. We still love you. And we're going to do everything we can to help you. Same thing with the Islanders family. They're a tremendous family, just like the devils. They will do anything possible. I know that there are Vancouver Canucks fans out there that will do what they can to help you. And, um, you know, again, I'm so sorry for your loss and uh, rest in peace once again to uh, Theodore Henstrom, who passed away last week at the age of 14 in a house fire. So, um, yeah, I'm so very sorry for your loss. And I hope that with time, um, you guys can, uh, you know, be able to remember him fondly and be able to memorialize him the way you guys want him to. And again, I'm so very, very sorry for your guys' loss. So now we're going to talk about the last three games that the Devils have played. So obviously I'm going to be a little bit more energetic, even though obviously I'm not really that 
pleased with how the last three games have gone, except the, the one on Thursday. And that's the one we're going to talk about. First, the Devils were playing the Buffalo Sabres in the second of the home and home series. Uh, if you guys saw the last episode, a devilish meltdown, you saw that that was kind of like one of the first times where I really kind of lost it. Um, I'm still not happy really at all. And uh, I'm going to explain why um, as we go along in this, in this episode, but we'll start with that game in Buffalo and the devils were obviously looking to try to, you know, regain some momentum that they've lost over the last couple of games and try to, you know, get some revenge after losing at home to Buffalo again for the second time in the last couple of games. So the devils came out like they usually do uh, pretty aggressive and they determined, they really looked determined to get off to a great start. And Brad got a nice steal about just 90 seconds into the game and was able to get a good backhand shot on a partial breakaway. But Linus Allmark was able to make a really, really good save to deny the Devils. But they continued to come in waves, but not before Taylor Hall, of all people, got himself a breakaway on Blackwood. And he tried to go five hole, but Blackwood kept his stick down, kept his leg pads down and made the save and denied Hall of getting his just would have been his first goal since the opening game of the season and, you know, preventing the Buffalo Sabres from taking a one nothing lead. He stopped them again about 30 seconds later as the Sabres were able to keep the puck in the offensive zone. But after that, the Sabres were able were not able to score at that point. And then obviously we had the situation where a couple minutes later, the Devils were in the offensive zone. Jesper Brad had the puck on the side of the net. He passed it right out front on a one-timer to Nico. And I'll tell you this, nine times out of 10, that puck is in the back of the net. But Allmark was able to get over and at the last second, rob Nico with the glove and deny him of getting his first goal of the season and also to give the Devils a one nothing lead. And then the Devils made their first mistake of the game as about six and a half minutes into the game, Kulikov made a pass behind the net trying to get it to P.K. Subban. And I don't know if it hit off the net or hit off of Subban's skate, but it ended up coming right out in front. It was taken away by a Sabres player. I think it was Victor Olofsson who got it away. He passed it to Riley Sheehan. And Sheehan, while being guarded by a defenseman from the Devils, he goes backhand with the shot. And it somehow got past Blackwood off the post and in. And the Sabres took the one nothing lead. And that was a very frustrating goal. I mean, let's face it, anytime your team gives up a goal, it's frustrating. But it was frustrating from the point of it was a bad pass by Dmitry Kulikov. P.K. Subban, like usual, being somewhat of a liability in the defensive zone. And then the Sabres take advantage of it and they score on a fluky goal, which, you know, I will put a little bit of blame on Blackwood. He should have been able to make that save. But Nonetheless, the Sabres ended up taking a one nothing lead. But after that, instead of continuing to play back on defense, the Devils then began to pepper Linus Olmark with shots on goal. And even though they were getting a lot of really good shots, they were not able to find the back of the net. And they went into the first intermission down one to nothing. And during that period, I believe it's actually on the one-timer shot by Nico, Olmark seemed to have looked like he was pretty pretty uncomfortable he seemed like he had hurt something not really sure but he played the rest of the period but then going into the second we saw it was Carter Hutton the backup for Buffalo that was coming out first you know to start the second period and we got told that Olmark was going to be out the rest of the game now the 
Sabres ended up announcing, I think, on Friday that he in, that he definitely was injured. He's going to be out for about a month. So whatever he exactly injured, it, it was obviously not a good one. But, you know, Allmark was able to keep the Devils off the score sheet through the first 20 minutes. And then Carter Hutton had to come in and play the rest of the game. And both teams traded some good chances early on in the second. Uh, the Devils, again, continue to look like that they were just going to have one of these games where they would have a lot of shots a lot of opportunities, but they weren't going to be able to find the back of the net. But the Devils were able to finally break through, uh, you know, and it started with winning a faceoff in the defensive zone. Pavel Zaka gets the puck. He was able to deke around one defender, and as he was going to his left towards the center of the ice, he passed it back towards the board, the right side of the boards, to Jesper Brack, who got the puck, came down the right wing, he deked around a defender and got it and took a shot that got past Carter Hutton. It went top shelf over the glove side, and the Devils were able to tie the game at one. And for Jesper Bratt, that's his first of the year. And Zaka, with that assist, was able to continue his point streak to eight games. So he continues to be on fire. But it didn't last very long as, once again, the Devils went back to the penalty kill, and you already know what happened as middle stat, Casey Millstat was left wide open in the slot. And that just goes to show you how piss poor our defense really has been this entire season. But Middlestat is wide open, easy tapping, goal. Sabres take a two-to-one lead. And that's where it stood after 40 minutes of play. And then we go to the third period. And Taylor Hall takes a two, a four-minute double minor. And so he's sitting in the box. So this is a golden opportunity for the Devils on a power play that has really struggled and has continued to look like garbage since the season began. But the Devils were able to take advantage of this one as Nikita Gusev looked like he was trying to make a pass. It ended up hitting off the skate of Riley Shahan and Miles Wood got the puck and knocked it into a wide open net because Hutton was expecting the pass to be all the way on the right side. So once Wood got the puck, Hutton had no chance of getting back. And it was an easy goal for Miles Wood, his eighth of the year, which is still the team leading. He still makes him the team leader in goals this season, which is still crazy to think about. And the Devils were able to tie the game at two. And then about two minutes later, Pavel Zaka gets a steal in the offensive zone. He's being hounded from behind by a Sabre defender. He was able to get the puck, and I think he was trying to pass it, but it hit off of a Sabre Sabre skate and it came to Nico and Nico kind of hit it with his backhand and it somehow found the back of the net and it was just kind of a surprising goal but you know what there's nothing wrong with a little bit of luck and Nico was able to score and it was his first of the year first as a captain and most importantly the Devils found their first lead of the game at three to two and they kept pushing and pushing and pushing and that's what I really love to see from this team is that even when they get a lead, they've been able at times to just continue to push the emphasis. But once again, the stupid penalty kill failed them as Taylor Hall found devil, new devil killer, Sam Reinhardt alone in front for a tip in to tie the game at three. And this is where I want to rant a little bit. Number one, Elaine Nazardine has to go. I'm sorry. He th This penalty kill at times just gets worse and worse and worse and worse with absolutely no changes. They give up way too much space. And on both of the power play goals, there's a guy standing in front of the net all alone for an easy tap-in. First, it was middle stat. This time, it was Sam Reinhardt. 
And Sam Reinhardt has become the new Patrick Sharp, where basically the only time Reinhardt does anything in this league is when he plays the New Jersey Devils. And that's what he's done. I think he has three or four goals in the games that the Devils have played against Sam Reinhardt and Buffalo. But, you know, Taylor Hall has been able to get points against his former team. And that was a very easy pass to make because, again, Reinhardt was standing all alone in front of the net. And that is just unacceptable. It's just absolutely unacceptable. It's really ridiculous that we're this piss poor at playing defense, especially on the penalty kill. And unfortunately, the game ended up having to go to overtime. So at this point, I was kind of sitting there saying, how are we going to find a way to lose this one? Are we going to lose it in overtime or are we going to lose it in a shootout? I felt that if we had to go to a shootout, the chances are, you know, we were pretty much dead and buried because as we all know, the Devils are a very bad shootout team as well. But luckily, we didn't have to get to that point as about two and a half minutes in, there was a really good rush by the Devils and Jesper Bratt got the puck and he made a nice behind the back pass to Pavel Zaka, who kind of brought the puck back and took a wrist shot and beat Carter Hutton far side into the net and the Devils win in overtime four to three. And for Zaka, who had a goal, the game winning goal, and two assists, it was also his first career overtime goal. So that was obviously a big thing for him. The Devils were able to get some revenge against Buffalo and head home for a five-game homestand. And you got to feel, you had to have felt going into the series on the weekend against Washington. Okay, we grabbed some momentum. We were clicking on some things. Penalty kill still sucks, but we still found a way to win this game. Now we're taking on a Washington team that we should have beaten them a week ago after having a 2-0 lead. Let's forget about that and let's get some revenge and let's win some games here at home against one of the best teams in the NHL. And that didn't happen at all. As a matter of fact, they went back to what I had seen the Devils play like for the last several years, which is what I call piss poor slap dick hockey. That's what I called it because it's very, very true. It's like we still have John Hines as the head coach. And this is where it gets to the point where I start to say to myself, maybe it's no longer coaching. Maybe it's that what John Hines did was so detrimental to the majority of the players on this team that have played under John Hines that it's very difficult to get them out of those habits and they know and they are too far gone to be changed. And I thought about maybe the Devils have to get rid of a lot of these guys before we can really start to, you know, turn around these type of things. And I'll get into this in a little bit more detail later on. But let's start with the game on Saturday against Washington. It's the first of a back-to-back at home. And the Devils honored Travis Zajac on a thousand games since he was on the road when the Devils, uh, when, when he got his 1,000 game. But they honored him with a video tribute. They gave him a silver stick, a bunch of other things. His wife and his three kids were there. It was just a great ceremony altogether. And the Devils started the game like they were still in the ceremony as they just seemed so out of it and so just not into the game. And just five minutes in, it's already 2 nothing. And a couple minutes later, actually about a minute later, Lars Zeller scores on a rebound and it's 3 nothing Washington. And I remember tweeting out, oh, okay, so we're just not going to play today. We're just going to get blown out by like seven or eight goals. And we know the Devils haven't really gotten blown out in a lot of games. We, we know that that hasn't happened 
as much, which is which has obviously been a good thing, you know, because it shows that they remain competitive. But at that point, you know, I was thinking, I think we got to pull Blackwood here. You know, he could have had that go that shot on Morris Eller, even though it was a rebound goal. But you know, still, it would have been nice for him to make that save. And to be fair, I, I think that Blackwood is regressing a little bit, just a little bit, because I think he's tired. I just think that the the coaching staff doesn't believe that much in putting in the backup when the defense has been this bad with your main, you know, future franchise goaltender in net. I mean, that's the that's the thing that's been so frustrating to watch from this. But it just looked like to me after a three nothing, it was like, all right, okay, cool. We're, we're just not gonna, you know, we're gonna get blown out, and that's the end of that. But the Devils were able to cut the deficit to two as PK Subban took a shot that went off the backboards, came right back out to Nico Heischer, who tapped it home on the power play, and the Devils cut the deficit to two to make it three to one. So obviously for Nico, that's a goal in the last two games. So you're, you're feeling pretty good. It's like, okay, he's starting to get his game going. For P.K. Subban, my dude, I know that you probably meant to do that, but nine times out of ten, stop faking the big slap shot. I want you to actually shoot it. Don't worry about getting blocked. Just take the damn shot because we know how lethal it can be when you're using it correctly. So please, for the love of God, please take the freaking shot. I'm begging you. I've watched too many games this year where you have just faked it, faked it, faked it. Nobody's buying that. Just shoot the damn puck, please. But nonetheless, the Devils were able to score and that's how it was at the end of the first period. They're down three to one. But about four or five minutes into the second period, as the Devils were starting to really get going here, Nico found Pavel Zaka in the slot with a little bit of an opening, and he took a shot through a screen that beat the Capitals goaltender into the net. And just like that, it's three to two. And it was just crazy how the vibes came back from that game against Buffalo last week where we were down three, nothing in the third period and we got two goals and we were peppering Buffalo and we were so close to getting it to, to, to a tie game. It literally felt like the same game in many, many ways. And for Zaka on that goal, his point streak moved to nine games. So he continues to be the hottest player on the devils and certainly one of the hottest players in fantasy without question. And that goal was in the second period saw so the Devils were able to cut the deficit to just one going into the third period. They're down three to two. And the Devils actually ended up, I think they ended up holding the Capitals something like 14, 15 minutes in a row with only without giving up a shot, which was really, really impressive considering the fact of the amount of talent, goal scoring wise, that the Washington Capitals have. You know, with guys like Nick Backstrom and Ovechkin and obviously Kuznetsov, even though he didn't play in that game. But other guys like that, John Carlson as well, TJ Oshie, you know, the list goes on and on and on. But clearly the Devils wanted to find a way to tie this game. And I felt like if they tied the game, they were going to win the game because the Capitals just seemed to have no answer at this point. They were just holding on for dear life. And basically the Devils had two golden opportunities right away to score. The first one was where Zajac threw the puck all the way across the ice to Gusev, who was wide open. And if he got the shot fully, he's scoring because it's a wide open net and he missed the net. And I've seen Gusev do that so many times this year. And I don't know what's going on with him. I don't get it. 
I really don't get it. It's so frustrating to watch. It pisses me off. That would have tied the game. And then about like a minute later, you had Nico, Zaka, and Brett all on the all on the ice together. And they made this incredible passing sequence where Zaka had a shot right in the slot and got denied on a great save by the Capitals goaltender. So right there, boom, boom, two great opportunities. And that missed shot by, by Gusev turned out to be the closest that we got to tying the game. Because even though the Devils continued to dominate, with about six, seven minutes left, there was a partial breakaway for, J- I believe it was Jacob. Yeah, it was. It was Verana. And he took a pretty weak wrist shot that got past Blackwood to give the Capitals a 4-2 lead. And while I will put blame on P.K. Subban for not being there defensively and having to rely on Nico to get back there to, to play defense, I do want to put a big emphasis on Mackenzie Blackwood. That one he should have had, and that was a back-breaking goal as the Devils just never recovered from that. They ended up giving up an empty net goal and still lost by three and lost this one 5-2. to two. And that, that was really, really, really upsetting to me because it was one of the many situations we've had where we got close, but at no cigar, and we just couldn't find a way to come back. And again, it was another situation of we started to play hockey way too late, and we dug ourselves too big of a hole. And that's now twice now in the last week that we've done that, and we need to fix that or we're going to continue to have these heartbreaking type losses because this is a young team trying to learn how to win. And you're not going to do that by just standing around for 40 minutes and then in the third deciding, oh, you know what? I actually want to play hockey. I actually want to school. Like, don't wait that long. You shouldn't be waiting that long. It's ridiculous to me. And now we go to today's game. As like I said, I'm recording this on Sunday and the game ended about, two and a half hours ago. Here's the thing. Even though they lost by only one, this game sucked more than yesterday's loss on Saturday. And I'll tell you why. The Devils came out flat, no energy, just like me today, came out with no energy whatsoever. Right away, I knew they were going to lose this game. And you guys might say to me, well, Neil, you're being too pessimistic. You're giving up too easily. Guys, I've watched this team for many years. I've watched them long enough to know that they do the same crap all the time. They don't come out with good energy. They allow the other team to do whatever the hell they want. And that's what it was. And even though they came out flat with a little less than seven minutes, well, with a, just, just with about seven minutes into the game, Mikhail Moltsev took a wrist shot that somehow beat Ilya Samsonov. He was shocked. And by the way, Samsonov, this was his first start in like maybe a month. So this was an opportunity for the Devils to welcome this guy back to the NHL and by getting a big victory and scoring some goals on this kid. But they got one there. You know, for Malt said that was his first legit NHL goal since his first one was an empty netter, but it was his second goal of the season, and the Devils grabbed the one nothing lead. And the Devils definitely seemed to wake up after that because then they started getting into the game. You know, they had opportunity after opportunity, getting good shots to the goal, and they were just being more aggressive. But 
Unfortunately, with about four and a half minutes left in the period, another bad defensive breakdown. This one was both on Ty Smith and Mackenzie Blackwood. They, the Capitals like to do the high flip play where they flip the puck up high and they allow their, their speedy guys to, you know, get to the puck first. And that's, and that's what Jacob Verona's really, that's what his specialty is. And Verona got the puck. He went to the right side. He got a shot past Ty Smith and Smith got caught flat footed and lost possession and lost the positioning of Verona. Verona was able to get around him get the rebound and go right through the legs of Mackenzie Blackwood to tie the game at one. And again, if Ty Smith had just stayed square with Verona, that rebound shot doesn't happen, but he turned his back to Verona and that's what ended up losing it. And for Blackwood should have kept his stick on the ice. Even if, even if he kept it, if he kept his stick on the ice, even as he was getting up, he still makes that save, in my opinion. So that one was on both of them, and it's a frustrating goal. And for Verona, that's a goal in back-to-back games since he got one. He got the he got you know a big goal against them yesterday on Saturday, and he got the game-time goal in this one. And then again, the Devils went back to looking flat, and it showed because two and a half minutes into the second period, the Devils are caught on a change. And Sammy Votnin is left all alone to try to do something. Tom Wilson and Nick Backstrom are coming here on a two-on-one. And even though Votnin is playing more on Backstrom, Tom Wilson still found him for an easy tap-in, and the Capitals go up two-to-one. And that was just a, why do we look so fundamentally piss poor? Like, it's really a frustrating thing to watch. But... The Devils responded, more particularly, Igor Sharangovich responded basically about 50 seconds later as he took a shot that got through a defenseman and again trickled past Samsonov and into the net, and the game was tied at two. So you can really say that the Devils were somewhat lucky that they scored both of those goals. And I think that's just because Samsonov hasn't played an NHL game in a while. He's a little bit rusty, even though he had played pretty well down in Hershey. Oh, and by the way, he had beaten the Binghamton Devils earlier this week before he got recalled up. So, you know, he he likes to he beat both the Devils farm team and the Devils main team. So, you know, he has he has some success against the Devils, but the Devils tied the game at two. And, you know, again, it was just you were hoping that, OK, this is the moment where they're really just going to turn the tide. They're going to find a way to score the next goal and they're going to end up winning this game. And even though both teams traded some opportunities, that didn't happen as the Caps would end up regaining the lead with about six and a half minutes left. And it was only a matter of time before this guy scored. But Alexander Ovechkin took a shot that went through two defensemen and beat Blackwood far side. And again, I'm going to put blame on Blackwood. That should have been a save. I know it's Alexander Ovechkin. I know he has a wicked wrist shot. But from what I saw, the several replays I saw, I got to be honest, he should have had that. He really should have. And that unfortunately ended up being the game-winning goal as the Devils had a measly four shots on goal in the third period. There were five shots in total in the period, and four of them were by the Devils. And none of them were good. The Capitals decided to play more defensive hockey, but they were easily able to do that because they have legit defense and really good goaltending. And they have an offense that can still do some things, even if they're not getting so many shots to the net. So the Devils 
end up finishing the weekend getting exactly zero points, losing both games at home. They now will begin three game, three more games on this homestand. And the first one with fans, and I forgot to mention that, that we are now going to have 10% capacity of fans starting on Tuesday. There will be fans at the game on Tuesday against the Islanders. And I think we also play the Islanders again, and I think the Rangers as well. I don't remember off the top of my head, but we play some teams within the relatively our area. But I would like to hope that the Devils look themselves in the mirror and say to themselves, we have to stop being so inconsistent. We have games where we get off to a great start, but a terrible finish. We have games where we're off to a where we have a bad start, but a great finish, but we still find a way to lose the game because we dug ourselves too big of a hole. And I also want to say this, and this might be very controversial, but I'm going to say it. The Devils are a terrible, terrible team when it comes to fundamentals. They do not know what the fundamentals of hockey are. I see so many other teams in the National Hockey League, even teams that the Devils play, where their passing is crisp, their shots are crisp, they know what they need to do, and they execute it very well. The Devils haven't done that in a long, long time. And this goes back past the year we made the playoffs in 17-18. You have to go back to at least the 2011-2012 team that went to the Stanley Cup Finals. For the last time, the Devils had a team that knew how to pass the puck well, knew how to shoot the puck well, and knew what it took to win the game in the fundamental aspect. This team, for a lot of their players, don't know the fundamentals of hockey that well. And that's a really scary thing to me because even though they are a young team and I know we have to be patient and I know that we have a new head coach, at this point, I'm seeing the same things that I saw for the past four or five years with John Hines' bald head behind the coat, behind the bench. Not much has changed. And that's frustrating to me. And I want it to stop. And look, I will say this. First of all, I am probably not going to be going to a game in person this season because my family is still not vaccinated and I don't want to do anything like that until they are both at least vaccinated. You know, even if I'm not, I want them to be vaccinated. I just don't think it's safe, even though there's going to be less fans and everything like that. I also just don't have the money and don't really want to spend the money right now on that when I have other things that I need to spend my money on. Um, but I also just don't want to go to these games and know what's coming because I've seen it for years and years, even though I'm optimistic every game. And I always hope that, Hey, we could turn it around in this game. You never know. I, I just, I don't want to be like that. And I hope that we turn it around at some point. And unfortunately I forgot to mention this when we were talking about the game on Saturday, but towards the end of the game on the power play, Nico Heischer did get hit with a puck in the face and did not return to the game. Um, he is listed as day-to-day, -day, I believe. Uh, from the last time I checked, Lindy Ruff said he was able to communicate with him, but there's no timeline as to when he's going to be able to come back. So that's just great. Um, it also is interesting how ever since Nico came back, the Devils have not been the same. Now, that just could be, be, you know, by coincidence or by, you know, they're still trying to build chemistry. But it's also difficult when you're playing virtually every other day and you're playing back-to-back -back days on the weekend. So this is going to be 
if they keep playing like this, honestly, it, the season's going to be over very, very soon because they'll dig themselves too big of a hole and that'll be that. And I know that the Devils are not expected to make the playoffs. I get that. But I still want to see this team compete. I want them to stop having games like this where they just have no energy and they don't look like that they're trying. And they look like they're always one step behind. Also, work on the passing, please. And work on stopping to stop hesitating and just shoot the puck. And speaking of shoot the puck, Pavel Zaka did get an assist on the second goal, which actually moves his point streak up to 10 games. 10 freaking games. A 10-game point streak for, of all people, Pavel Zaka. And I'm really happy to see him at least being one of the few consistent guys on this team right now. And I hope he can continue to do that because it's only going to help this team moving forward. But the bottom freaking line here, ladies and gentlemen, is this. This bullshit hockey that we've seen the last couple of games has to stop and it has to stop now. Not in the next couple of games. It has to stop now. They cannot and will not win games this way. And if they think that this is the only way they can play, then you have to get rid of these guys. I mean, that's just it. You have to get rid of the coaching staff. You have to get rid of the players. Like, I know that sounds really all, like ridiculous. I get all that. But if this is how it's going to be, if this is the best that we're going to get, then we have no prayer in the next four, five, six years of being anything relatively competitive. And I hope Fitzgerald understands this and continues to build the team with players that are having a nose for the goal, that want to be aggressive, that can play in the modern NHL and can do all these things. And if we do all of that, we have a much better chance of being a relatively competitive team, a playoff contender, and eventually a Stanley Cup contender. I am praying to God, and I am tired of having to do these podcast episodes where I am pissed off. That's two in a row now. Please, Devils, do not make it three in a row. I am not in the mood to get pissed off again in the, with, with this situation. I'm only going to be doing one game for the next episode because there's only going to be one before Thursday. And I hope that there will be changes. And I hope, just like myself, I hope that there will be more energy the next time. What's going on, Devils fans? It's your host, Neil Villapiano. Thank you so much for checking out this edition of the Devils State of Mind podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place to get the most up-to-date news about your New Jersey Devils. If you want to check out more of the podcast, here's what you do. You go wherever you listen to podcasts, so that could be Spotify, that could be iTunes, that could be Google Podcasts, you know, wherever you listen to podcasts, you go and you search Devil's State of Mind, and you will find the new episodes that we post every week on both Mondays and Thursdays. Please also go check out the Hockey Podcast Network as a whole. We have podcasts for all the teams in the NHL, as well as other great hockey podcasts. So just like with Devil's State of Mind, just search Hockey Podcast Network, and you can see all the podcasts that we have on this great network. You can follow the Devil's State of Mind on social media. You can follow us on Twitter at Devil's State, and you can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Devil's State of Mind. Make sure to also follow the Hockey Podcast Network on all social media platforms. Just search at H-O-C-K-E-Y, Hockey 
P-O-D-P-O-D-N-E-T-N-E-T-N-E-T-N-E-T-N-E-T-N-E-T-N-E-T-N-E-T-N-E-T-N-E-T-N-E-T-N-E-T-N-E-T-N-E-T-N-E-